Welcome to So Dead, a podcast that's as random as it gets. I'm Jen Carpenter. And I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday, deadheads. Today, we're going to talk about the laws of physics. <laughs> as in, what goes up must come down. Or more specifically, when you fire a gun, that bullet's going to go somewhere and hit something. So be careful when you're handling deadly weapons, please. This week's episode is about what happens when people are careless with firearms. And it ain't pretty. According to the CDC, more than 18,000 people are unintentionally shot every year in the United States. 500 of those incidents turn out to be fatal. We're going to tell you about two such incidents that took place in mid-Michigan. On July 4th, 2012, thousands of mid-Michigan residents flooded Adato Riverfront Park in Lansing to attend the city's annual fireworks show. The Lansing Police Department took every precaution to make sure that the event was a safe one. Attendees had to enter through a gated area where all bags and persons were checked for weapons and fireworks. Not even sparklers were allowed in. Over 100 officers were on duty at the park. The mayor was there, probably shaking hands, kissing babies. Um, But short of surrounding the park with a giant protective bubble, no one could have prevented the tragedy that took place. Because when gunfire erupted, it didn't happen inside the park, even though that's where the danger was. One person that attended the fireworks that night was 34-year-old Michelle Packard, a recent graduate of Michigan State University with a bright future ahead of her. Michelle graduated from Tawas Area High School in 1996. She moved to the Lansing area in 2009 to pursue her doctoral degree at MSU. Is it doctoral? I feel I like think I said it's that wrong. Doctor- I think it's doctoral. I don't have one. A fancy degree mm-hmm. at MSU. Online dating was still newish at the time. There was no Tinder. Um, But Michelle was pretty good at it because she quickly met and hit it off with Wes Thomas, a broadcasting student at Lansing Community College five years her junior. The two fell in love easily, even though they were very different. Wes was struggling when they met. He was known as a partier and a bit of a slacker, and he had a young daughter from a previous relationship. Michelle, on the other hand, was a professional. She'd spent some time working at the U.S. Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta and was studying biosystems engineering at MSU. So she was doing things. Um, (laughs) But despite their differences, Wes and Michelle were good for each other, happy together. Mm -hmm. The two got engaged in November 2011. By the time Michelle received her doctoral degree in the summer of 2012, she had a job waiting for her in Maryland as a research biologist with the U.S. Department of Defense. Wow. Right. Um, She's smarty pants. Yes. So all signs pointed to a happy life. Uh, Then came the 4th of July. Michelle and Wes took Wes's daughter, Annabelle, to see the fireworks at Adato Riverfront Park. They arrived early so that they would have good seats for the show. They found a spot near the boat launch area and set up their folding chairs. In our little neck of the woods, it's not usually dark enough for 4th of July fireworks until after about 10 o'clock. Right. Um, So 9.45 p.m., when Michelle suddenly slumped over in her chair, it was still light outside. Mm -hmm. Um, Yet no one saw a thing. Wes had gone to a concession stand to get snacks and drinks, and when he returned, Michelle was on the ground, unconscious, with a crowd surrounding her. Wes thought that maybe someone nearby had been throwing rocks and she'd been hit by one and knocked unconscious. But there was no blood, no visible sign of any sort of injury. 
The police thought maybe she'd had a seizure or heat stroke. The temperature in Lansing hit 100 degrees that day, so it was really hot out. Um, It was a holiday, so a lot of people were drinking, even Mm -hmm. if just, you know, casually. It was a perfect recipe for someone to become overheated and dehydrated quickly. So when Michelle was rushed to the hospital by ambulance, still unconscious, there were all these possibilities of things that might have happened to her. But the horrible truth wasn't on anybody's list. Uh Um, Michelle was taken to the hospital, where doctors were just as baffled as the police and Michelle's frantic fiancé. During a scan of Michelle's brain, a shocking discovery was made. There was a bullet in her brain. She'd been shot by a small-caliber handgun in a crowded park in front of dozens of people. No one saw or heard a thing. Michelle died from her injuries the following day on July 5th, 2012, leaving her family and her fiancé devastated. Police investigated the shooting to no avail. They determined that the bullet likely came from over a mile away and had likely been fired by someone shooting celebratory shots into the air to celebrate the 4th of July. Michelle's shooting was never solved, and officials believe it's possible that whoever killed her has no idea that they're responsible. And here's where the story gets worse. Michelle's fiancé, Wes, was destroyed by her death. He stopped going to school, and he rarely left the house. The November after her death, so almost a year to the day since he'd proposed to her, Wes tried to drink himself to death, literally. He wound up in the hospital with alcohol poisoning, and doctors believed he was trying to kill himself. His mother, who lived in South Carolina at the time, traveled to Michigan, picked Wes up from the hospital, and took him back home with her. Six months later, in May of 2013, just two days after his 30th birthday, Wes committed suicide by shooting himself in the head in his bedroom at his mother's house in South Carolina. That's tragic. I know. I don't know another word for it. It's so sad. Um, The good news, if any good at all, can come out of such a tragedy is that Michelle's mother has become a fierce advocate for gun safety. Um, Friends and family built a memorial garden for Michelle in Lansing's Francis Park, where you can still go today to leave her a note and grab a Coke, which was her favorite drink. I love that. I know it. Um, So just one bullet fired into the sky to make bang-bang noises on the 4th of July took two innocent lives and devastated two families. Can you even imagine that? You gotta think what before you do things like that. I know it. What goes up must come down. You know, I mean, oh, I just can't imagine. It kills me just a little bit knowing that this could have just been avoided. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. So, I've got a story about the random shooting of a man that I know pretty well, actually. Um. It's a little different than how I usually tell my stories. I'm probably going to get, like, I feel emotional already and I haven't even started. Um, I go a little off topic for a lot of it, but bear with me because it's a story that I feel is worth sharing. So the story is about my dad. Um, He was very adamant that if I told his story, that I'm not to portray him as a victim. Um, He says that everyone that is given life have great experiences and they have bad ones and you have a choice on how you respond to them. Absolutely. He's a wise dude. (laughs) Um, Okay, my dad, Wayne Dibian, was born October 23rd, 1948. I am so sorry that I've just outed your age, Dad. (laughs) Uh, He was born to Arla and Charles Dibian. To say he had a great childhood would be the biggest lie of the century. 
Um, I've never met anyone that had a shittier experience as a child. Um, He would sometimes go days without a meal. He had no shoes and would walk to school barefoot. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. He said he remembers a teacher taking him to the gym locker room one day to take a shower because he hadn't bathed in days. Um, He was just not well cared for um, at all because his parents were unfit. It's unclear to him, even to this day, if drugs were involved, but he says that his father was a heavy drinker and he thinks his mother had a mental illness. Um, When he was about seven, his parents rented a house from a lady who had 17 cats. 17? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He would sleep on the couch every night and he said one of the cat's eyes would glow at night. And it would make this low growling noise like it was in agony. Oh, my gosh. He even made the noise for me. He said it was like, oh. No, it's like pet cemetery. Very much so. Yep. He said it would sit on the wheelchair that was left parked in the kitchen by the homeowner's deceased husband. Oh, my god. To a seven-year-old, that would be scary. It's scary to me, and I'm not seven. He also said at night that the branch of a willow tree in the yard would lightly tap the window (laughs) next to the cat. Like, this is a setup of a scary movie It to really me. is. And as an adult, that sounds scary. Uh, to a seven-year-old, that must have just been, like, And a seven-year-old horrible. that isn't getting, you know, the love and right. support that you would hope that seven-year-olds are getting. So he already right. kind of probably feels alone and scared a lot of the time. Absolutely. Aww. Absolutely. Um, around the time that he lived in this house, the family received their first visit from a Mrs. Green. Mrs. Green was a social worker for the state of Michigan, and she was there to take my dad away from his parents, because obviously they were unfit. Um, He spent his first night and the next month or so, but he said he recalls it being like a month or two months. When you're a kid, time moves so differently. Right. Um, And he went to live with the Walters family. Um, He shared a bed with their son. And when I asked him if he thought that was weird... He paused for a second, and he replied with, you know, I didn't. I never had a bed before, so I thought it was oh nice. Oh, my God. He doesn't think anything of that statement, and I'm sitting here going, my heart is breaking. Yeah. Um, but again, he does not want to be a victim. No. He was very clear. Um, okay, but little boy him can be. And he always says, he says, I feel so bad for that little boy. Yes. But I... Love so my life. So that's where we'll draw our line. Little right. boy him gets to be a victim because that's right. children are victims when they're mistreated. Absolutely. Um, he said that Mrs. Walters was kind and a very sweet woman, but that Mr. Walters hated him for some reason. Mm. He said, I don't know if I was a little shit. I don't. <laughs> he was like, I, I don't know. I was seven. Mm-hmm. He was like, but he didn't like me. Um, he said he tried to keep his distance from him, but it didn't help. Mr. Walters liked him or disliked him so much that he sent him away to an orphanage in Owasso. Um, We've talked about Owasso before. Mm -hmm. What what did we say? It's like, it's a little north of Lansing, right? I don't remember now, but. I mean, I go there, (laughs) but I feel like it's a little north east-ish. This was within like two months of being taken away from his parents. So he, the first night and month, first month or two he went to live with the walters family they didn't like him so they sent him to the orphanage orphanage. um he stayed in the orphanage for about a month 
And then Christmas rolled around. He said that they would like send you to spend Christmas with a, a local family. I feel like that's a terrible idea. <laughs> right. Here's a look at what normal life. This is could what you could be, have, but then you got to come back here. Yeah, that's bad. It's sad. Um, I get that the intentions were good. That's a terrible idea. But it's just sad. Have volunteers come in and give the kids a Christmas there Agreed. in their environment. Agreed. My Lord. Right. Um, so he said that for that Christmas, a local family that owned a clothing store let him stay with them for the holidays. And then the mother found out that he was related to someone she knew in town, and she let him stay longer. Oh. My dad said that the husband was so kind and treated him well, but the mom was an asshole. Why can't they just both be nice? That's the balancing. So can I ask, like, at any point Mm -hmm. during this, was there ever, uh, not that he would necessarily know Mm -hmm. at the time, but now, was there contact with his parents or talk of nothing? No. Okay. No. So the mom, not his mom, but the mom of the family that Mm -hmm. he went to go stay with. I asked if he remembered their names. He did not. Okay. Um, But he said that she would slap him around and blame him for stealing coins when it was really her own son that was a thief. Gross. Eventually, this family grew tired of being fosters, like a foster family, Mm -hmm. and they sent him back to the orphanage Mm -hmm. as well. Again, he does say, look, in their defense, maybe I was a little jerk. I'm going to say that I doubt it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, he was sent to the Baptist Children's Home, where he waited to be placed at the VFW Home for Children in Eaton Rapids. Um, they didn't have room for him at that time, so for a few weeks, he was sent to a juvenile facility for troubled boys in Jackson, Michigan, mm-hmm. which is just south of Lansing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he didn't warrant staying in the prison, they had him stay there, and he said that they treated him just like all the other right. quote-unquote prisoners. Child prisoners. Um, Finally, there was room at the VFW home. He was sent to live there, he believes, around 1956. And he believes that this is all within a year of being taken away from his parents. Like, he was shifted around so much. He gave me other instances of, like, oh, I spent a night here, I spent a night there. But nothing was, these are the ones that were long-term. Right. Um, He moved to the VFW home in fifth grade, and he lived there until he graduated high school. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was his home, you know. His parents never fought to get him back during this time. Mm. He said he ran into them a couple times, but that it was never, uh, I miss you, like the way that mm-hmm. a parent would Right, because I mean, sometimes children. children are taken and then the parents, mm-hmm. you know, get their shit together and fight to get them back, mm-hmm. but it, they just feel like let him go. Back then, you must have been really shitty to be taken away. Because right. I feel like people a lot got of away people, with a lot. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people turned a cheek. Yeah. You know, so must have been really bad. Um, after high school, he volunteered to be drafted in the United States Army. I did not know you could be vo- like that. You could volunteer to be drafted, but right. apparently it was a thing at that time. So he didn't enlist. He did not like. Yeah, he didn't enlist because if you were drafted, it would have been longer time. But because he volunteered to be drafted, it was only two years. Huh. Interesting, right? It is. He tried to explain it to me, and I just kind of glazed over. I was like, I don't understand. (laughs) That makes no sense to me. (laughs) Right. He received orders to go to Vietnam in 1969. 
But time ran out and those orders changed and he was sent to join the military police in Germany. His two years ran out and after he was discharged, he came back to Michigan and lived at the Stimson Hospital in Eaton Rapids. I know that place. (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, it wasn't called the Stimson Hospital then. It was just apartments. It was just apartments. Right. It was Um, just those creepy-ass apartments on the corner. Right. He never had an experience there, though. That he knows of. That he knows of. (laughs) (laughs) Um, While living there, he would go back to visit the VFW home because that was his home. Right. Um, They had house mothers there. For anybody that has never been to VFW home, I highly recommend... If you are local to the Eaton Rapids, Lansing area, make a drive through there. Mm-hmm. It's like a little town. They have their own hospital. It was kind of like um, the boys training school in Lansing. Uh, I would say more like Eden Springs. Oh. But not like. Not a cult. Not a cult. Okay. That's like good they had know. their own hospital. They had <laughs> um, their own gym. They had like, I want to say he said a bowling alley. Oh, wow. Like, it was this little town, and it had all these little houses. And each house had what they call a house mother. Right. And he would go from house to house. But there was one, Mrs. Shively, that he remained very close with. I've even met her. She has since passed. But um, that was the closest thing he had to a mother. mother. So he would go back and visit her. Um, On one of these visits, his biological mother, Arla, called the home and reported him dead from the war. (gasps) He wasn't dead. No. She just you wanted, don't say. Yeah. She just wanted to cash in on a $10,000 policy. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But he just happened to be there as she called. What a terrible human. <laughs> Can you believe that? So about a year later in 1971, he moved to an apartment on Pleasant Grove in Lansing. Hey, I know that road. I know you do. I grew That's up why on I threw Pleasant this in Grove there. Road. I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Um, that just shows how small our world really is, you know? Um, at the time he was driving a car called the Gremlin. Yes. Have you ever seen one? Yes. They're cool. If you have not Google image it, it's fun. Um, the car was stolen from the parking lot of the apartment building and later found in a pond in Holt. No. <laughs> oh. Interesting, right? Someone had a joy ride there. Right. Um, after this, he was walking to the bar one night with a buddy on South Washington Avenue in Lansing when he saw a car heading his way. He put up his hands as if to gesture to the car to stop, but it didn't. It actually picked up speed, and whoever was behind the wheel hit my dad's friend <gasps> and knocked out all of his teeth. Oh, my God. Um, quick thinking and in his badass response, my dad jumped on the hood of the car and basically body surfed it until he dove off of it about a quarter mile down the road. Can I add a story here? Because this part reminds me so much of um, a movie. No, something that happened to one of my friends. Stop. And she listens to the podcast. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Carrie. We were walking. We went to Sexton um, and we were walking back from lunch one day and we were standing at the corner getting ready to cross back over to the school and she was kind of standing on the curb and she like leaned out to like look for traffic and a van like blew by and the mirror from the van hit her (gasps) face and broke her nose. Oh my God. It was so great because you think like she did get hit by a car, but just her nose. Were you with her? Yes. I was standing right next to her. It was very traumatizing this for all of us. This hurts my stomach to hear this story. Anyway, you just reminded me of that because you That's wouldn't crazy. think someone gets hit and it knocks out their teeth. That's kind of right. weird. But yeah, she got hit, but it was just, just literally just her nose. That's crazy. Well, this car had some 
impact. And think about how cars were made back then. Yeah. They were hunk of metals. This was like you know? a big kidnapper van. So you know how they have oh those gosh. big windows like the truckers? So it was just the big window I know that hit her in the face. I see it in my head. We had a mm-hmm. van like that. No, oh my <laughs> But God. it had curtains. Yes. <laughs> Some of them had those like mini blinds that raised <laughs> and lowered. And it was all carpeted on the inside. Oh, God. Okay, I digress. <laughs> um so they never made it to the bar that night. You don't say. And they also never found out who the driver was. Crazy. He thinks it must have been somebody he knew, though. Really? Mm-hmm. So he thinks it was intentional. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um, we could all speculate, but then, you know, we're putting another target on his back and we'll just pass that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so about six months after this accident, he met a waitress at the Grog Stop. Which was a local coffee shop. Grog, like you're groggy. Yeah, it takes away your grogs. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> clever. <laughs> he soon started dating. Um, he started dating her, and they started, got oh the waitress. Yeah, the waitress. And now we're just getting all backwards. He Sorry. met a waitress at the. He grog met a waitress. Stop. At I got the stuck grog on the name there. Okay. <laughs> he soon started dating her, and they got married. Ooh. After four months of dating. Whoa there. Hubba hubba. Right. Isn't that funny? They I'm just like, knew. They knew. Um, they had two daughters. Hi. Hi. I'm yeah. one of them. Um, Who was the other one? Jamie. Oh. She yeah. listens to, hey girl. Hey girl. Um, uh, she better listen. She does listen. She's probably one of the biggest fans I ever. Know. Um. And they moved to a nice neighborhood on Lansing South End. Uh, they lived the normal suburban life until September 22nd, 1994. On this day, my dad was driving to work through East Lansing at 4.30 a.m. Yeah, where did he work? He So he worked in a building. I don't want to say the company name. That's fine. Um, he worked in a company behind Paul Revere's Tavern on Grand River. Okay. That is now O'Reilly's, O'Reilly's Auto Parts. I know somebody with the last name O'Reilly, oh, and they spell parts. it this, the same way. That's confusing. It's very confusing, but it's really O'Reilly yes. Auto Parts. Um, so he was about a mile away from work, and he was driving in front of, like, student apartments okay. on Grand River. I know there's probably a lot of listeners that are not familiar with East Lansing, so it's very easy for me to just be like, yeah, there was Picture student housing. <laughs> you know, I've never drove the route, actually. <gasps> I'm afraid to. Really? I'm sure I've unintentionally drove it. Yeah. But I should one day get out there yeah. and just Do drive it. it and see. Maybe I'll take him with me so he can point everything out. Yeah. Because things have changed since 1994, For sure. you know. Um, but he was on Grand River still, and he was about a mile away um, from, his from work. Okay. He was driving his 1991 Blue Saturn SL. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was rolling the window down, like crank style. Yes. Because that's what you did. Um, Those were safer, honestly. I <laughs> think to these to this day, I think about how like if I ever drove my car into the river or a pond, wouldn't all of your electronics stop working? Maybe. So you can't like roll down the window, but if you had that crank. Well, you know what I miss about the crank on the really, really cold days and the window's like frozen? Yeah, you could force, you could force it. it down. You might break it, but you could force it. <laughs> it was coming you down could, one way or right, another. Right, if you were strong enough, you could get that down. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he was rolling his window down because he was prepping to punch in the code for the parking lot access. Gotcha. So, you know, can you picture 
you have like the punch code yeah. to get in and then the mm-hmm. gate lifts up. But he's still on Grand River at but this point. But he's still on Grand River. Okay. Um, let me paint this scene though. My dad loves music and he would <laughs> play that music so up. We would get in the car later that day and the car, once the car would turn on, the music would be blaring because he was jamming. I am the same way. I'm the same way too. But now a- it's podcasts that are on like <laughs> level 10. So edgy. Right? I had... um. A friend that used to tell me that getting in my car was like going to a rave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's how I was too. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, So he's driving, minding his business, and all of a sudden he feels his jaw snap. (sighs) But he said it it wasn't just like a snap, but he said it's like catching a baseball. So if you can imagine, like, when your hand is up with the mitt, you catch a baseball, and then it, you know, because of the... The the force. force, your hand kind of goes back and then it springs forward. Okay. After yeah. you catch it. Yeah. Um, he said that's exactly what his jaw did, except he heard it crack and it Oof. was a loud crack. Um, and we all love to get our backs cracked, but I think your jaw cracking would probably be Not at a totally a different thing. level. Um, so he grabbed his lower jaw in shock and he felt the blood. Um, he thought he must have been hit by a rock. So it's interesting that. That's what your story. Yeah. And you know, I mean, have you drove down the highway or down the road before and a rock has hit your windshield? Do you know how many little cracks I have in my windshield and it pisses me right off? So, yeah. That's a feasible conclusion. I think it's more feasible than getting the truth. Right. Yes. (laughs) Um, So he was in a little bit of pain, but he was able to finish his drive to work. So he pulled into the parking lot and it was greeted by some coworkers who were out having a smoke break. Um, he tells one of them that he thinks a rock hit him in the face and that he's a little sore. And they look, take a look at him and they notice that his shirt is covered in blood, which my dad did not notice. Oh. We still believe that's because he was probably he was in, in shock. shock. Um, one of them looked at his face and said, you have a hole in the side of your jaw. Oh, my God. And my dad has, I've said this before, he looks like Charles Manson. He does but not like, look like Charles Manson. But like a good looking version of Charles Manson. <laughs> And not like dirty. <laughs> Wayne, you don't look like Charles Manson. <laughs> I love you, Dad. He, but he has a full beard. Okay. So to see a hole in the side of his face was probably like, what in the hell? Oh, my God. But now don't think worst case scenario. It was a small hole, like the size of a little pebble. A pebble would not make but a still, hole in your face. A hole is a hole. A is hole a hole is not. You know? A hole in your face is not good. Not good. Right. Um, so one of those co-workers took him to the hospital where the doctors evaluated him and took some x-rays. They confirmed that a bullet from a twenty-two caliber gun mm. had lodged its way into his jaw. Oh, my God. He'd been shot, but he did not know who wanted to kill him. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, the doctors numbed his face and started to prep him for surgery to remove the bullet. At the last minute, a specialist comes down to the ER and decides that there's way too many nerves in that area and that it would be best to just leave it for now. And eventually in five years, it would like make its way up to the surface and be easier to get. Because if they did remove it, it could cause some serious nerve damage. Yeah. And his face would basically droop like he had had a stroke. Yeah. Um, They also said that Three inches higher, three inches lower would have been a completely different story oh for my us. God. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said, what, five years? Yeah. We could pull it out. It's been 25 years, it's and he still there. has a bullet in his face. Does he set off metal detectors? That was a joke for a while. When we first, like, 
would go on a plane mm-hmm. or something, then he would have to explain oh, why his really face does. is beeping. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So like metal detectors, they'll like do his face uh-huh. and what he, like he has to say, but he I got all, shot in the but face. But what he tells people too is that he has shrapnel. Okay. It's, Easier for them to understand, other than I that he not. has a bullet. You know that I like to shock people. I know. I, I think would you just enjoy that for a while. Dead eye them. Yeah, I guess it could get old if you have to do it enough. But mm-hmm. I would just like dead eye them and be like, "Yes, I was shot in the face. Oh, Can he, we move on?" He did it for a long time. <laughs> it was it was always great. Um, so during this time, the hospital staff called my mom. They told her that my dad had had an accident at work and she should come to the hospital. So she had no idea what to expect when she was coming. She thought that he was injured at work. Right. Like there right. was like an Was it like a factory type? Kind of. Okay. Yes. Okay. So yeah. he worked in a place where it was feasible that, that you they could were, be right. injured. It was not an office job. setting. Okay. We'll say gotcha. that. Um But before she could go back and see my dad, the police greeted her. Hell yeah, they did. <laughs> they questioned her. Because when the husband didn't do it, the wife did the it. The wife did it. Mm-hmm. They asked her, did she hire someone to kill my dad? (laughs) How was their marriage? And at this point, she didn't even know he'd been shot. They told her. They said, your husband's been shot. Could you even imagine? And she, you know, when you say so-and-so has been shot in the face, what in your head do you see? Like their face is gone. Half of their face is gone. And it's not. It was, that's why. she couldn't see him. Right. So she's panicking and they're saying... They're accusing her, basically. And your parents have been married for how many years at this point? At this point, um, maybe. Because you would have been, you said 94, so you would have been like 14. 14. 20 years. Okay. That's a long time, That's a long time. Yeah. Um, So they asked her, you know, did she hire someone to kill my dad? How was their marriage? Did they have any insurance policy changes recently? Oh, my God. What if they had? They hadn't, had they? No. That's so lucky because I just feel like my luck, I would have just had something <laughs> like that happen. I know, right? Oh, my gosh. Like, I, my big thing is I always threaten to set people in places on fire. And one of these <laughs> days, my house is going to burn down and they're going to be like, well, clearly. You did it. You set your own house on fire. You've said 50 times <laughs> that, that you're going to do t- it. We finally believe you. <laughs> um, they asked my dad these same questions and then they finally let. My mom, Sam. She, both of them say that the questioning did not really They go didn't on. believe it. They just had to do it. Yeah, they had to follow protocol, but they were just kind of like going through the motions. Right. Okay. Unfortunately, that's kind of how they approached this. They were just going through the motions. My dad said that their concern was more focused on the jurisdiction because it was on the border of East Lansing Police Jurisdiction and Meridian Township. Oh, God. And so the argument happened. And that's where the concern was. It wasn't on finding who, did who this. shot him and why. Mm-hmm. Um, it finally was decided that it fell under the East Lansing police. Um, my dad went into the police station a few weeks later to follow up and see how the case was moving forward. They had no updates, no leads, no news, nothing. Um, no one ever called our family to give us an update on anything. So to this day, this could be an open case and we don't know. I mean, it would have to be. It's a cold case, but mm-hmm. it would have to be. In fact, that I think I might call and just you see should. what they're doing. What's Excuse if it is me? Right. I am Danny Fairman, host of So Dead Podcast, right. checking into a case. Twenty-five years old. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Get out of the LPD. I might. 
I might, you should. I might call just to see what they say. Yeah. Um, if they just made it cold or if it was like nothing to do, case closed. He's, He's fine. fine. He just got a bullet in his face now. Yeah. It's cool. Right. So on September 22nd, 1995, one year after the shooting, we actually celebrated. Aww. This is where I'm going to get emotional. Sorry. <laughs> we had a cake. We celebrated as a family that we still had my dad. Yeah. Um, he could have easily been shot in the wrong place, and we could have lost him that day. Um, we didn't, and we got to keep him. Thank God. Um, we came to the conclusion that it was probably a descending bullet from a nearby apartment that hit him in the face. Mm. Again, somebody carelessly shooting. For what reason? For what reason? So it's been 25 years. No one's ever been investigated as a suspect. Um. And yeah, and we don't know if it's open or not. Oh so, but I'll check into it. It's got to be. If it wasn't solved, it's open. Right. Um, and I just want to say thanks for letting me share my story. Um, it, Thank you I for understand that it, I dude. went on more about than just a shooting, but, you know, there's more to my dad's story and my mom's for that matter, but I'm really glad I got to share some of it. And, and yours, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. You know, next to Dave, of course, he's... The most amazing man I know and has endured some serious blows in life, but finds a way to rise above the negativity. Um, anyone who's ever met him would say he's one of the coolest guys out there. And I honestly feel so blessed to have my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And I am just glad my mom chose him. So that's my story. That's as emotional as I'm going to get. <laughs> Thank Sorry you I for the sharing microphone. it. Thank you. You did a good job, dude. Thanks. Whew. All right. So it's file dump time. Now that I've gotten myself together, <laughs> we're going to tell you about our favorite childhood memories. Do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. I don't know if it's, it's not necessarily my favorite memory, but it's my favorite story because it's so goofy. Okay. Um, so anyone that grew up in Lansing knows what these words mean. Safety picnic. <laughs> Fucking hated this <laughs> What? Hated it. It was amazing. But it's interesting you picked that because it was at Francis Park. Was it? I mm-hmm. don't remember where it was. Here's what I remember about it. So safeties. I don't. Do they call them safeties they everywhere? Do. Oh, I don't know. So if you're not from the Lansing area, safeties is basically like the little school monitors, and the you know the fifth graders got to be safeties. You got to wear the orange vest and tell other kids what to do and pretend you were a grown up. Mm-hmm. And every year. Um, at the end of the school year, there was a big safety picnic for all the safeties at all the schools, and it was just a big old mess of a party. They yeah, still do the safety picnic. 95FM was always there. 95FM. And they would throw t-shirts and CDs Funny. out into the crowd. Funny you should say that, because this year at the safety picnic, they were throwing out Pepsi license to chill cards. I Oh, okay, we were at the same one, I think, because we were <laughs> we in the same be. grade. We were yeah. in the same grade. Oh, my God. I, um, I forgot all about <laughs> I had so many of these license to chill cards, right? I just collected them like they were money or going to do something. And then that summer on the radio on 95FM, WVIC, they did a contest where they were picking winners for things by the last couple digits on the Pepsi license to chill cards. And I was like, oh, I'm going to win something. I've got like 50 of these fuckers, right? So I'm listening on my little pink boom box in my room, my new kids on the block poster on the wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, they called the number 
they call it, I think it was, if I remember, I think it was 13 because I remember like, well, that's not a lucky number, but it's my lucky number. Right. Whatever the number was, they called numbers that I had on my card. So I called in. I'm 10. I'm 10 <laughs> years old, if I haven't said this yet. I call in and I won a trip to West Virginia to go whitewater rafting. Stop it. At 10 years old. You can't win stuff like that at 10 I years sure old. I sure did. They, of course, wanted to talk to my mom. Um, but at 10 years old, my dad took me whitewater rafting. No wonder why you liked the safety picnic. Yeah. And the thought of me now going whitewater rafting is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life. I would never. That's incredible. But at 10, you have no fear. And I for sure, and as a parent, if my kid wanted, I'd be like, okay, no, we're letting your cousin take that and I'll buy you a video game. Right. Um, but I insisted I won it. I was going and I went. And so That's me and so my dad cool. went to West Virginia. I was, there was one other kid there that also won from her Pepsi license to chill card. Um, but it was mostly older, you know, twenties and older. Um, that girl punked out and she got off halfway through before the rapids got dangerous. Boo. I stuck it out. Nice. And now you have that memory. Yes. Um, what's really funny, though, is that it was very sudden, you know, um, mm -hmm. but as after we left and we took, a, it was a bus, like they took us on a bus there. My mom called um, the radio station to ask them about like accommodations, like what we were going to sleep in. We wound up sleeping in a teepee that was infested with bees. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when she called the radio prize. station to ask about it, they answered the phone and they were like, you're caller 10, you're our winner. And she won me a Janet Jackson CD, which honestly should have been what I had Got before instead of a trip to go whitewater so rafting. Oh my God, that is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to go off topic of what my favorite childhood thing uh -huh. is. I'm going to tell you, I called into the radio station one time. Uh -huh. I don't know if I've told this story. And they were like, what's your name? I said, Danny Dibian. And they heard me wrong. And they were like, Danny DeVito. <laughs> And I freaked out and I hung up and I never called it ever again because I was so I already had that complex that people would ask if I was a boy because my name was Danny. Danny. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's funny. Anyway, that was me calling in. <laughs> what were I you never calling won a prize. for? I wanted to win a prize. Oh, you were trying to win a prize? Win a prize or request a song because that's what we did something. back then, you know? Yes. The bangles or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's a good that's a good story you had. I can't beat that. Um, I have two that are hilarious to me, but people. I'll judge you. Know. I'll tell you which one's funny. So one's not hilarious, actually. No. One is just one of my really good memories. We, when we would go on vacations, we would drive. Uh huh. And we were going to Disney World one year. Mm -hmm. I think I was ten. Mm -hmm. And it was the best driving because you would ride in the back seat. Yeah. You would have fights with you know your sibling and. Yes. I was very much into New Kids on the Block, and we yes. passed their tour bus. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And I just remember thinking that that was the coolest thing. Side note real quick. Uh -huh. New Kids on the Block Day is April 24th, which is also my birthday. Nice. So you lucky duck. Remember them both. All right. Forever. And KOTB. <laughs> um, but one of my most favorite, and I think it's my favorite because I get to pick on my sister about it all the time. <laughs> For Christmas one year, we got, we begged and begged for Nintendo. Mm -hmm. 
and it was the last gift and it was marked to me and Jamie. And as we were opening it, I opened the side and saw what it was and I yell, Nintendo! And she gets pissed because I ruined it for her. God, Danny. Oh, you're always ruining everything. (laughs) She opens it and she's like, tic-tac-toe. I'm like, at this point, finished opening because I she has taken my glory out of it. Yeah. And I let her finish it. And I'm like, tic-tac-toe. And then she sees that it's Nintendo. So essentially, she got to open the gift because she thought she that thought I ruined it. She thought you said tic-tac-toe? She thought that she I thought said, said tic-tac-toe. That's so funny. So when she saw it was Nintendo, she had her own excitement. She's oh like, Nintendo! God. And I'm like, that's what I said, bitch! <laughs> but... So it's really funny now because when she can't hear me or she's like, what did you say? You say tic-tac-toe, I'm like, bitch. Yeah, I'm like, tic-tac-toe. <laughs> I love it. It's like one of those real funny stories to That's us. great. Those but are anyway, good. Yeah. Those are good childhood stories. I like them. Well, thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon at Soda Podcast. You can also find us online at sodapodcast.com and email us your feedback and story ideas to sodapodcast at gmail.com. Now get out there and shine. You magnificent what the fucks.